0: Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. And uh, this is actually a joint episode of uh, our podcast and uh, the Advisor Inner Circle podcast and John H. Curry's Secure Retirement podcast. And uh, John, uh, good to see you. Welcome back. Um, I'm excited to do this because uh, it's been uh, almost, what, six months since we've had the opportunity to do this. And I think Maybe the way we want to start out is let you just give everybody a little bit of an update, uh, for, for what's been going on in your life. And, uh, and then we're going to kind of take it from there. Well,
1: first of all, it's good to see you again, uh, via podcasting, uh, and hello everyone. Um, what Steve is alluding to is I had some drama in my world starting on February 25th, I remember the date very well cause my father's birthday. And I was with a friend having some pizza and a drink and on the way home, I had a very, very sharp pain in my right leg. And I take that very seriously due to having some aneurysm repairs and stents installed in both legs in 2019. So I got in to see the vascular surgeon on Friday morning, the 26th of February, and also scheduled a time to go see a surgeon over at, uh, Tallahassee orthopedic center. Long story short, I'll give you this Cliff Notes version, and then I'm sure some of this will come out as we're talking today. Um, I ended up going into the emergency room on March 11th, and they did bypass surgery to bypass the stent. That did not work. So on Sunday, March 14th, my doctor's partner came in to see me, and I had met her. She said, I have bad news. We have to amputate and i'm thinking my foot she says no your leg above the knee and i said okay why she said because the the poisoning that's going on is coming up your leg rapidly we've been monitoring it for three days and if it gets to your kidneys it will kill you almost instantly I said, okay when do we do surgery and she says as soon as i can get you into the or about an hour Said, okay you got things to do i got people to call let's get it done and i'll let that be kind of the the opening um and as usual we've not rehearsed this so i don't know where we're going steve because i don't know what you're going to ask but
0: here we are for everybody that's listening i'm sure they've probably just had the same shock that i had that that day that you called me yeah because you're one of the
1: very few people that got the call
0: you did yeah and uh, in fact it went to went to my voicemail at the time, and uh, I was driving uh, my daughter back to college. And so I didn't hear it for uh, maybe about an hour or so. And I called you back and didn't get you. And and I know we kind of went back and forth a little bit there. But on hearing that, I can tell you my own reaction was just utter and complete shock and, and sadness, really, Um, you know, kind of, Thinking about, you know, here you are, my, my close friend who's got got to go through this and the shock that you must have been feeling in that moment. And one of the things that I think we're going to get to today is talking about adversity, you know, and and you and I are sitting here now with the benefit of knowing what the whole story was, right? What's happened over, over the last five months or so, four or five months since. I'll tell you just from my observation, it's been a... A very challenging journey, but um, in in some ways a very fruitful journey for you, um, from from my outside perspective, you know. But I just want to give everybody who's listening just a moment to kind of let let it sink in what you just said, you know, because we we've had time to process. So you got that news. You really didn't have time to think much about it. I learned from talking with you after the surgery that. You were at peace and sort of accepting it. That's the way you described it. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, I don't know where I got this from. I don't know if it's because of, uh, you know, something I learned in the air force in, in the seventies, dealing with things, uh, business along the way martial arts, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure it's a combination of all of it is once you have all the facts, you make a decision and you understand that it could be a good decision. It might turn out to be a bad decision, but you've made a decision. And I have learned somehow or another not to have a whole lot of second guessing and regrets. Some things I have I all second guess stuff back and forth, but it's usually a little nitpicky things. But the big things, my friend Lee Harrison's always said, you know, if the building's on the fire, John Curry is the guy to go to, because he's gonna be the most calm guy. He's gonna say, well, I suggest you put the fire out there and he'll be cool as a cucumber. You know, but little things like uh headsets will bug him know, <laughs> from across the room, things like that. Right, Steve? That,
0: that, that may yeah. have happened before we started recording. Uh, you think? Dead, uh, dead headsets see, against the wall. I see them there. on the
1: floor. I know it happened. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, little things uh, do that. But it seems like I have the ability to just accept it. I don't have to like it, but I've learned to, okay, what can I do about it? And, and in this case, because I've had several people ask me, especially medical folks say, well, how were you able to make that decision so quickly i said well the key words were it could and will kill you death is pretty damn permanent and i remember when i called susie my lady she says honey it's just a leg you're still alive even without a leg you'll be alive we'll get through this so that that's about, that's, that's the best answer I can give you is I'm pretty well at peace with most decisions. And even when it goes to crap, I go, okay, time for another decision. What do you do now? Mm-hmm. And this is not all in the bowl of cherries. this has been a pain in the ass in a lot of ways, be blunt. And I've had to, I've had to work on my attitude, adjustment, and my mindset up here.
0: We're going to get to all of that because, uh. I've kind of had the privilege of observing all of this, you know, and and you would think privilege would be a really weird word to use to describe this, but I'll be honest with you. I've never in my life witnessed someone face the kind of challenge that you faced with the mindset that you've, you've brought with it. I've learned a lot. Um, and and that, that has been a personal gift to me. And I hope through, our conversation in this episode, and and uh, I think we'll probably end up with with probably I don't know two maybe three short episodes out of this. That uh, that hopefully that'll be a gift to anybody who who listens along because we all run into adversity. I hope we all don't run into this specific adversity that you've had, but uh, but we all run into adversity. And and uh, the longer you go in life, I've learned the more significant those things tend to get.
1: Yes, and let me say this. I, I hope that you don't go through what I went through. But let me say this. You will go through some type of uh, life-changing, game-changing adversity. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. And I think that the, the more that we read and study and learn from other people and how they dealt with it, the better we are. And I'm convinced. I mean, I believe this all in my heart, Steve, that all of the reading I've done during my life and my career especially, of understanding what other people have dealt with, dealing with uh, trials and tribulations and processing that in the head and working on what our friend Dan Sullivan calls your mindset, you know, there's all kinds of books about that Carol Dweck's book, you know, mindset. You know, what is your mindset? You know, is it fixed you know, or is it growth conscious? I mean, where are you? And I'm convinced that um, I know for a fact that in military training, Navy SEALs, any type of special ops, it's not the strongest person physically Uh, martial arts when I was doing Krav Maga and Haganah, uh, karate, it wasn't the person who was the Mr. Badass, you know, uh, physically that won the matches. It was a person who mentally was tough enough to deal with what had to be dealt with.
0: So as we go through this conversation and and we're going to kind of break it up, uh, I see some, some topics that I think need to come out. I I don't want to spend actually a lot of time focusing on, the tragedy of this, because you haven't spent a lot of time focusing on the tragedy of it. Um, no, and I don't want to either. I, I will answer any
1: questions when people ask me and I will uh, do what it takes to have clarity, but that's another key, my friend, is when you dwell on something, what happens?
0: You get more of it.
1: You get more of it. So if it's negative, you're just, you just screw yourself down into a, this pit. And it's hard to unscrew yourself from that. So what I try to do, and I'll try, I do it. I will address it when somebody says, Oh my God, what happened to your leg? It happened to me, the governor's club done. That. Half a dozen people saw it. Oh my God. Haven't seen you. What happened? I just said, you just had a little, little encounter. You should see that shark that's up on my wall, though. I got him. Out. <laughs> 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 and they're like, you're crazy.
0: <laughs> so, well, maybe that's the perfect jumping off point then, because, uh, when I spoke with you r- right after the surgery, you were actually pretty upbeat. You, you you were a little bit intoxicated from the pain meds but but you were actually pretty upbeat and um and I was the the entire time that I knew you were in the surgery so while all that was going on I was I was still on this trip to take my daughter back to college and and then driving back and I couldn't get a hold of of uh you know anybody that was with you or would have known and uh and of course so I'm thinking all right well what what this is going to be a big deal. I knew immediately that the thing that would determine success or failure coming out of this would would have been like your mindset and how you took it coming out and how you adjusted and I'll be honest I was really uh I was really worried for that because I don't know how I would have responded. I still don't know how I might respond to something like this um, I know how I'd like to think I would but but knowing how you like to respond and how you actually do, I think, are two very different things. And so going from being worried about that to then talking with you and going, all right, within five minutes, I knew you had this. And that all comes down to mindset. So talk a little bit about how coming kind of right out of that, that surgery, and uh, and I'm going to say first surgery because there's more to the story as we get into it. And I don't want to get into that yet. I want to kind of tease that a little bit. Um, But coming out of that first surgery, what was it that you kind of latched onto and focused on that got you moving forward? Because I think for anybody that's facing adversity, it's like you got to flip that switch. The, The
1: first thing was knowing that a lot of people out there were sending their thoughts and prayers, number one, and acknowledging that and accepting it and saying, wow, thank you. And number two was I started feeding my mind with as much positive stuff as I could, so I had a couple of books with me. So I just continued to read when I was awake, I slept a lot because of the medications for the first two or three days, really. Uh, but it was a combination of gratitude that I was alive. I'll admit there was a little bit of frustration and a little bit of anger. Like, okay, why, why did I lose my leg? But I didn't allow myself to do. on it just kind of, like, okay. And, and, and Susie helped me a lot with that in the sense of, you know, should say things like, honey, it's just, you're like, you know, you're, you're still alive, you know, we're, we're going to get through this. And so it's the positive encouragement you know, and then people around me, the the medical team, uh, the, the doctors, the nurses, the technicians were all very encouraging. You know, we talk about building a team around you in different parts of your life that those people were very important part of my healing and i've always been very nice and pleasant to people who you know who are serving me in any way where the wait staff at a restaurant and people say why why do you need to know the person's name or if they tell you your name their name why do you tell them your name because they're human beings yeah <laughs> they're not robots dude and I can still taste some of the nurses. Now you you alluded to um, second surgery, and I went back into the rehab the second time. It was like everybody in the hall was like, "Oh my God, Mr. Curry's back!" And I mean, it was like running over. You know what happened? What happened? You know why are you here? You know good to see you again, but what? What's wrong? What's wrong? But that's that's a lot of it, Steve. It was just taking the and part of it was the practical side of me. It says, "Okay, what the hell am I going to do about it?" I look down now, legs gone. From above the knee down, it's not there. And right now I was telling you earlier, it's like my foot is asleep. My right foot feels like it's absolutely numb and asleep the way your foot would go to sleep. And that's the nerve issue. I haven't had a lot of pain uh, since the amputation, but uh, first few days I did. But it's just an acceptance. I I would say acceptance and gratitude uh, and then it's okay, Time to get with it. What can I do to improve it? So listen to the folks in rehab and we do this and don't do that. And your point earlier about we were kidding around about me leaving the kitchen counter, going to to the wheelchair without falling and busting my face because the tendency is just to hop off this chair and just go get a cup of coffee. Well, you don't hop and you do that when you got one leg because the other leg, and I've already had three falls from after the first surgery. And the third one was just because of that. Because I was out at my property with my grandson. I'm coming down the steps, hop down steps just fine. He's got the walker waiting for me, and the right leg goes, taking a step. And guess what? I landed on the dirt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you made the comment earlier today, like, you know, your brain still thinks it's there. Yes. You know, like it, you haven't adjusted to the fact that, you know, when you go to step with that leg, that there ain't nothing touching the ground. So,
1: so, four months later, the brain still says, hey, do this, do that. And, uh, is that right? March, April, May, June. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. almost
0: at four months. You sort of made this immediate jump to a positive mindset. And, you know, it, it took you a little while to get, you know, recovered to the point where the pain meds weren't kind of influencing your days dramatically. And, and, uh, you know, kind of where you got into a bit of a routine, but even, even within the first few days, you were doing things ahead of schedule. And that, that's been kind of the, the theme throughout all of this is that, you know, they, the doctors or the, you know, the, the rehab nurses or whoever would tell you, okay, here's our goal. Here's where we want to be. And, <laughs> and you, you would take that and say, all right, well, how do I cut that time in half and double the result?
1: Well, that's true. And I remember, uh, <laughs> one of the, uh, physical therapists said, okay, I have two questions for you. When you are in here, what do you want to accomplish? I said, well, uh, I want us to start on time. I will be on time. I will be early and whatever time I'm allocated, if it's the 30 minute sessions or the 45 minutes, I want to get as much out of that as possible. And it got to a point after the first day, uh, the doctor even said, hey, look, if he wants to come in earlier and do other stuff on the machines, they're there, let him do it. If there's space, you know, you can't move another patient to accommodate me. But So I, I would go in there sometimes and have 15 to 30 minutes of doing something before they had time to work on me during my allotted time. But the reason I did that was twofold. One is that, yes, I wanted to have improvement, but I also wanted something to occupy my mind. Because if you sit around, you suck your thumb, poor little me, poor little me, poor little me, you're going to get a whole lot more poor little me. But if you're doing something physical, like, uh, I mean, they gave me five-pound dumbbells. Are you kidding me? I used to do 35-pound dumbbells curls, you know, and and do 50-pound dumbbells when I was doing bench presses. And you're going to give me five-pound dumbbells? And the therapist says, oh, "You won't be thinking that way in just a few minutes. You go right ahead." And she was right. You know, after doing about twenty-five reps of five pounds, and then repeating that and doing four sets of them, so you're doing a hundred reps. You go, "Hmm, five pounds seems about right." <laughs> Until you get your strength back, you know. So I had to. I had to accept the fact that there were some things I had to almost like start from the beginning with. But there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot to be gained when you're doing physical exercise anyway. I know you're you're into fitness and go work out, you and your wife, so you understand that. But when you are mentally challenged and physically challenged, what are you going to do? Lie in bed? The second round, I was, in, was literally bedridden for 10 days. I wasn't allowed to get out of bed for 10 days. It took a lot of work to overcome that.
0: Well, so let's break down just what we've talked about so far to, to kind of make it, I think, useful for for folks so yeah because i don't just
1: hear my story let's talk about how to apply it
0: yeah absolutely but i think having it in the context of this it's one thing to talk about this in the context of business you know because all of the concepts that i think we'll go through are all ones that you learned and developed over the years through business um, and through personal development we hear about these things all the time it's one thing to apply them in a business situation, but you've actually taken all of these ideas and applied them in a life or death situation. And I believe they've made all the difference from as an outside observer.
1: I can tell you for a fact they have, you're correct.
0: And so I, to me, this is just like evidence. Okay. They've been battle tested. You know, we've talked about a lot of this stuff before, but You've had the opportunity to test it in ways that most people will not. And I think that's, an, that, that, that's worth learning from. So the first thing that, that jumps out at me is, and, and you mentioned it before we were talking, the acronym W.O.R.M. that you learned from Mark Devine, the Navy SEAL. And, and really, you applied that probably almost immediately, whether you knew it or not. So walk us through that acronym, what that stands for. Well, I came up with the acronym
1: to help me remember it, but the, the W stands for witness the negativity. So what is it you're thinking? Okay. The negative thought, witness it because you have to acknowledge it. So witness that. Okay. I said that, or I'm thinking that. And then you have to have uh, interdiction or uh, stop the negative thought. Okay. And for me, sometimes I'll slap my hands together and okay. Stop that. And then redirect. So you got to redirect your mind to something positive and uh, you're not kidding around about this you'll hear me say looking good feeling good ought to be in Hollywood well I got that from Mark Devine when I went to his classes uh, back in 2016 I think it was in San Diego and Mark Devine is a retired Navy SEAL and he finished number one in his class uh, when he was uh, going through SEAL training and he is big to tell you that it's all about the mindset. You know, you can be the strongest person in the world. And the name of the book is "Undeniable Mind I'd encourage everyone to read, whether you're in business or not. Uh, I, I it's my go-to book. I go by having it in front of me. It's always in my briefcase. And the second one that talked about is who not out. These are always close by. They're either with me personally, or they're either in my truck. By the way, remind me to share what happened when I made a comment in the hospital that day, when you came to see me and made a comment about being lazy.
0: You got me remember that? Uh, I called you uh, the uh, most productive man in rehab. <laughs> well, well, come
1: back and talk about why you said that, because of what was going on that day. But but the um, but I, and then the M stands for maintain. So you got to find a way to maintain your new positive spirit. So witness what's happening. OK, so I'm witnessing that I got no leg. Negative thoughts. Well, crap, how the hell am I going to do this? I can't, how can I do this? I'm, I'm, I'm giving up a lot of stuff. Stop that. Okay. You still got your other leg, you're alive. Start thinking positively. feeding those thoughts. Okay. Uh, you know, and also I would not accept pity from myself or other people. Yeah. You know, I've had a couple of people who say, oh, you poor thing. And no, 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 no. I'm not poor at all. I'm very grateful to be alive. So that, please don't, let's don't go there and uh then to the maintain you know constantly read be around people that are positive we should do that anyway both people that are negative and toxic we need to get the hell away from them as quickly as possible and if you have to have interaction with them family friends co-workers it. you know, just just don't put up with it very long
0: uh, i'm thinking The, the example of what you've gone through and how you've used these same techniques just takes away so many of the excuses for people who want to just bitch and moan, right? True. Well, let's do
1: this since we're on that. I'm gonna get on my soapbox about this because folks, before we started, we had about 45 minutes just talking and I was venting about some things. Let me tell you something I'm tired of. I'm sick and damn tired of people using COVID as an excuse for not doing what they need to do. I'm tired of it. Yes. We've gone through a pandemic. Yes. We have problems. Yes. People die. Yes. People are sick. but you know what? Damn it. Quit blaming COVID get off your ass and do what needs to be done. And yes, if you're <laughs> shorthanded, we'll go find some more people
0: do what you said you'd do. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. I'm off. I'm off that box. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So you're faced with the adversity. You've got this process of witnessing the negativity interdict it, interrupt it, uh, redirect it, and then maintain that positive. And so that, to me, that's a way to kind of fix the mindset. And we go through this all the time. Everybody thinks that people who have like a really strong mindset are just that way all the time. And that's not it at all. It's it's that they're just better and faster at redirecting because they've practiced it more. Absolutely. And let me say
1: this. I was going to use the phrase you hear a lot, rinse and repeat. You know, mm-hmm. because you will have to repeat it over and over. I do. I mean, I, I had something after yesterday. I got so frustrated with myself. I, I ended up buying a new truck because I had to have the ability, not my Tahoe, I had to have a pickup truck that worked a certain way. Uh, the back door had to open what we call a suicide door because I just picked the wheelchair up with one arm and put it in the uh, back of the truck. Well, I gave up something for that. What I gave up was space. So my passenger seats full of junk stuff that I just let pile <laughs> up there. You know, there's no room in the back to put it because it's, I just got frustrated. I'm like, for a moment, I said, why in the hell did you buy another truck? The other truck was bigger, better, more comfortable used to it. And then I go, stop it, stop it. It did not fit your needs. John, I literally said this out loud. It did not fit your needs. This truck fits your needs for now. When you get your prosthesis, go buy something new. If you don't want it anymore. So you have to constantly
0: be on guard for that always. And, you know, we all go through it multiple times a day. And we tend to overlook, I think the small occurrences of it and let that go. And that's a mistake. I think you've had to deal with it on a a pretty massive life changing scale. I can only imagine like you look down, you know, and almost every time you look down, you have the opportunity to just jump right into a pit of despair, or not. True. Well said. Anyway, so I, I think having that little shift is important, and then the other thing that that you know you you kind of touched on there is this: once you've shifted into this positive kind of growth mindset, and I think growth is the way to describe it, you made the decision that okay, yeah, this has happened, but damn, I still have things I want to accomplish, you know. And right now, my my number one focus and you know my focus has got to be. How do I get my health back? Right. So even a couple of days out of surgery, you're doing things and forging relationships with the, you know, the medical team and, you know, and setting these goals for yourself. And then you did it in rehab. And I remember walking into the the rehab facility um, and you were there the first time, what, two weeks? Was that about two her? weeks?
1: That's right. One week in the hospital, right. then two weeks in the rehab hospital.
0: Right. So you're in, uh, you're in rehab two weeks. You're a week out from this, you know, life changing event happening. And I remember walking through the halls in the rehab place and and walking back to your room. And all I hear are people moaning, and complaining, and in pain, and it was (laughs) the patients. And I'm sure they were in pain, um, not to minimize that. And then I get in your room. And I believe at that point, you were sitting in the wheelchair, you were dressed and shaved. (laughs) <laughs> um, cleaned up, you know, you weren't in a hospital gown, you wouldn't allow yourself, you know, and I'd seen you in the hospital and, and all that kind of stuff, but you, you, you got yourself together and you were in pain, you know, cause I, I saw you wince in pain, but you didn't moan or complain about it, you know? And so there's two ways to, to take these things. And so you had set these goals for yourself and it was so interesting to see how everybody around you that whole team of people that was there for your care, how they responded to this attitude that you had that, all right, I'm here. This has happened. I got knocked down, but damn it, I'm going forward. And you had such tremendous support. You were the favorite patient in the hospital. You were the favorite patient. And I heard people tell you this. You were the favorite patient in rehab. And that isn't like a, superlative that you're looking to earn, but what it did is it, it, you were able to pull resources to you because you were going somewhere. Because people want to be part of somebody who's going somewhere, even in that situation.
1: I agree. But let me tell you the biggest thing I got from it. See, if I'm negative, what are they going to be feeling? They're going to feel negative. So they're going to reflect that negativity back to me. So what I, what I was doing was, And I can't say I consciously did it. My style is just, I'm a people person. I've said for years, you want to, you want to destroy me, put me on a desert island. You may as well shoot me and be done with it, put me around people. I'm good. Now want my solitude don't get me wrong. I want some some by myself time, but I realized that the people around me, that if they were positive, then I had positive vibes coming back to me and and it, we'll get into it in a few minutes but the, the most important people in my world to be candid uh was my team at work because they're like family you know those people they allowed me and they said over and over you're, you're you don't worry about work you don't worry about business you don't worry about the clientele you build a good team that's why we're here you just get your number one job is to get healed up and uh, take care of yourself so you can come back sooner
0: yeah and we're going to talk what I want to do with the team stuff, I want to talk about that separately, um, okay? In a, in in the next episode, um, because there's a lot to break down there as well. But I think just for for people, we've been through a lot of stuff in the world, and we're going to continue to go through a lot of stuff. I mean, that it seems to be the human condition is that there is constant chaos, both on an individual and a societal level, and to for anybody to think that what we've been through in the last eighteen months is is anything unusual. You haven't studied history very much. It's just part of the game. So if that's part of the game, how do we make ourselves resilient and capable to live, you know, and, and thrive through that and in spite of it? And and I think that the two things that that we've just touched on, this idea of immediately reframing any negativity, as hard as that can be, it's not denying the negativity, but it's reframing your and 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 recalibrating your reaction to it. And then once you've done that, sort of creating this growth trajectory that you're on, because that is now going to attract to you all of the the resources and the people that you need to get to that goal. And that's the Who Not How, you know, the book that you held up there. I mean, that's a great description of it. But uh, anyway, those are, those are my kind of two takeaways from what we've covered so far.
1: I think one of the biggest things that happened for me was understanding that no matter where you are in life, there's going to be problems. There's going to be adversity, and two words popped in my mind when you were talking about that a moment ago, and that is planning and action. I remember clearly when the uh, the surgeon steps up, asked me. He said, "John, you seem mighty calm for what we're about to do to you." And we do had the first surgery, and I said, "Well, you know, Rob, I, uh, all my legal documents are in place. My life insurance is in place." Good health insurance, everything's in place. And I've had a chance to talk to my family, people that I love and care about. Yeah, let's do what we gotta do. You know, so planning was in place. I had taken the action to do some things. Now I've done some modifications just this week uh, based on some things uh, on legal documents even. So once you know what needs to be done, get off your butt and go do it. You know, we have all, all of us, anybody who tells us they don't procrastinate, I say, well, I don't believe it. We all, all procrastinate about some things. But the quicker we can go from idea to implementation, or at least taking action, the better off we are. And it's okay if in the middle of it, you simply say, I don't like this anymore. I'm not going to do it. And I go back to think about Seth Godin's little book called The Dip. Now, there's a time when you should say, I don't want to do that at all. But then another time you find yourself in it, you go, I'm out. Now, people are going to criticize you. Well, you're, you're a quitter. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm a quitter. Call me what you want. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. And I would tell you this. I told just back. when I had my heart surgery back in two thousand eight. That that was a game changer, and that was a game changer in uh, mindset and attitudes and standpoint of things that I would not do. Some things I say I would do. Some things I'd fight to my death over. Some things you know you can have it, take it. And this was taking that to a level that even I don't know where it came from. I I still don't fully understand some of it myself, but I do know that there are some things that uh, you'll have to kill me to get me to change. So other things I'm going to say, screw it,
0: you win. Absolutely. Well, Hey, let's, let's wrap this episode. And uh, I want to have one, maybe, maybe it ends up being two follow-on conversations and uh, we'll release these all three uh, one week after another in the, in all the podcasts, just so you don't have to wait too long in between them. So I want to talk about team and how you've built your business in a way that has made this possible because a lot of businesses would have failed had they experienced what what you've experienced here over the last four months and and you've created something that could continue really without you and, and kind of keep, not kind of, actually keep growing uh, while you're not there, which is, I think, an amazing story and I think something that all the entrepreneurs listening to Need to hear, and I think for you know because we're releasing this on all three podcasts. I also think all your clients need to hear it um, because they need to understand what you've created to take care of them.
1: Let me set the stage for that, then, because here's what happened. I was asked a question one day years ago, and then I asked it of myself. Okay, how will I prepare for retirement? What will keep me from retiring? And I have this beautiful clientele that I have built since 1975. So I said, okay. I need to make sure I have to know that I've done everything in my power to make sure that in the event of my total disability, so I'm incapacitated, stroke, heart attack, whatever, or I die, or I choose to retire. I had to know, I didn't have to think, I had to know that my clientele were taken care of. And once I had that in place, life would be good. So I started working on that. And I was very fortunate to build a team around me starting seven years ago. Well, long before then, but the, the key partner now uh, is April Schoen. And I'll talk about uh, how that happened and, and where we went and what we did. And instead of just being the John Curry show, build a team of loving, caring professionals. So we'll come back and touch on that. But it's the three things were making sure if I chose to retire or if I became incapacitated or if I died, that people were taken
0: care of. Absolutely. So I want to touch on that and I want to touch on productivity because you've been, um, as I called you, you were the most productive man in rehab and uh, the things that you actually got done uh, in the outside world, most people wouldn't have been that productive had they been in the office. So um, I want to touch on that a little bit and, and kind of talk through that. So uh, folks, we'll be back with a continuation of this conversation. And uh, I hope you found this helpful. We would love to hear your feedback. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave us a comment below. If, uh, if you're hearing this on the podcast um, and this has been helpful, send me an email. You can uh, email uh, me directly, steve at unstoppableceo.net. I'll pass on your your comment to John and uh, share it with him. Um, But we'd love to know if this is uh, the kind of conversation that you're finding beneficial. All right, I'll see you soon, my friend.
2: Very good. If you'd like to know more about John Curry's services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Charter Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities, Products, and Services, and Advisory Services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker dealer and investment advisor. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value past performance is not a guarantee of future results guardian and subsidiaries agents or employees do not provide legal tax or accounting advice please consult with your attorney accountant and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances not affiliated with the florida retirement system the living balance sheet and the living balance sheet logo are registered service marks of the guardian life insurance company of america new york new york copyright 2005 to 2020. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or guardian and opinions stated are their own.
0: 2021-124367 expires August 2023.